Hello from ABA Annual Meeting 2017 in New York City. I'm Lawrence Coletti. And I'm Hillary Bass. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us. We're in the Big Apple, of course, Midtown Manhattan at the Hilton. And that means that we're at ABA annual meeting once again. And it's my privilege to introduce, I guess, is this your first interview as the the newly, uh, is it crowned or uh, newly elected? Uh, newly invested. Newly invested president of the American Bar Association, Hillary Bash. She joins us. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. So it is definitely my pleasure as well, because this is the first interview. You're taking the reins of the ABA. But before we get on, because I have lots of questions to ask you, let's learn a little bit more about you for the benefit of our listeners. Where do you work? What do you do? I'm the co-president of Greenberg Traurig. I'm based in Miami, Florida, and I'm a commercial litigator. I do trial work, mostly on the defense side. Excellent. So my first question, this has been a matter of curiosity over the years. So we've we've covered the American Bar Association. We travel a lot with this organization, and we talk a lot with the president-elects, the presidents. And so this role as president, this is a very high-profile volunteer role. You're not being paid to do this, right? Correct. Okay. So this is the question for the listeners, is that there's so much traveling, there's so many public speaking engagements that you have to be part of. There's so much work and projects behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. You're the uh, you're the figurehead for the American Bar Association. And so has it processed yet the kind of commitment you've made to this while you're working at your firm? Well, the good news about the president-elect year is you get to see upfront and personal just how much work is entailed in being president of this organization. And you only do it if you're incredibly passionate about the justice system and trying to make it better. This boggles my mind, you know, because this is a, a very intense year. As we've talked to uh, other ABA presidents, you know, the, the travel schedule alone is daunting. All the states and sometimes international places that you go to, the tribunals and courts and things that you see along the way, it's just an amazing commitment of time. And so how does that work on the backside? What's the behind the scenes, you know, at your firm, a very powerful firm, and you're obviously a very important person to your firm in the leadership role, they need you. So how does that work? How are you able to get away for a year to do this? Well, you put a lot of balls in the air. I mean, obviously, you can only do a job like this if you have your firm support and the support of your clients. So they all understand how important this is, not just to me personally, but to our country, to the justice system, and to lawyers in general. So thankfully, I've been very supportive for my ABA work for many, many years. My next question is about managing stress. So I know I read your bio in preparation for the interview, and I know that you're no stranger to stress and and being under deadline. So just by way of reference, uh, in a past interviews, your predecessor, uh, former president, Paulette Brown, she used to go for a lot of walks during her uh, presidency, and and that was her time. So, you know, they'd land a new place, she'd go for a long walk, and she'd keep track of it on her app, and she'd share it with everybody. And it was very impressive, actually. I was never able to keep up with her uh, when she'd show me, but uh, that was her time to reflect, and her time, her private time, and that's how she managed manage the rigors of everything that's involved. And so, you know, because wellness is such, is becoming more emphasized in the profession these days, it's very important. Uh, how, how are you going to manage your stress while you're Well, present? I do enjoy working out. I can't say that I'm quite as disciplined as Paulette was, um, but I do enjoy spinning, for example. Sometimes when I get into a city, I'll go take a spin class. So that helps. I also try, believe it or not, to get a decent amount of sleep and to eat well. But most importantly... You learn not to personalize criticism. 
because in this job, there are a lot of things that people express to you that they're unhappy about, either in their profession, their job, with the association. And obviously, you need to hear that and you need to try and process it and make things better for people. But you can't take every statement or criticism personally. And that helps. That's, I think that's good advice because I would imagine that uh, in the leadership role, you're getting everybody's opinion and uh, you just got to carry through and uh, kind of work around it. Well, I also think the experience of being a trial lawyer helps tremendously because when you're in trial, you are constantly being surprised by perhaps it's a witness you weren't aware of or testimony you didn't expect, a document you haven't seen. And so having done that for a few years, you sort of uh, insulate yourself from how best to deal with that without personally going crazy about it. Let's transition to meat and potatoes. So you've got a year coming up here, lots to do, initiatives, programs. And so I did some homework. I did uh, some background research and I found three areas, and I know there's more, but these are the three that kept uh, calling out. I followed you in social media, also read some articles about you. And so three things that you like to talk about, diversity inclusion, of course, uh, very important to the ABA. Uh, This is one I found very fascinating, women leaving the profession. So that was one that I I saw you talking about quite a bit. And then another category uh, that you'd like to focus on that you mentioned was homeless youth. So if if you wouldn't mind, uh, could we talk a little bit about those? Sure. Well, let's talk about women first and foremost. Obviously, as a woman that started in my law firm as a summer associate and ended up some decades later as co-president, I'm something that I've been very invested in on a personal level, what makes women successful in law firms, why did they leave? And recent studies have shown us that although women are matriculated in law school at about 50-50 with men and start their first legal jobs in about that ratio, by the time women are age 50, they're down to about 27% of the total legal population. And most of us have always anecdotally assumed that women were leaving in their 25 to 35 years, perhaps when they had children or they were dealing with balance issues. What we now know is that women are actually leaving the profession in their late 40s and early 50s. And that's a point in time when one would expect they have the greatest amount of experience and expertise. So to the extent that this incredible resource is walking out the back door, it's something that's certainly not healthy for the profession, not healthy for law firms, and not a good thing. So we're doing a longitudinal study that will really examine why women are choosing to leave and whether or not there are things that we can do as a profession to make sure that they choose to stay. We're starting off with a summit at Harvard the first week in November, and then we'll move on from there. And hopefully by the end of my year, we'll have specific recommendations about what law firms can do to ensure that their senior women do not choose to leave the profession. Oh, that sounds like a worthwhile program. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're talking about leaving the profession, your 40s and 50s are prime earning years. Like you said, you've got the max amount of experience and seniority at that point, plus very active still. I mean, it's, it seems like they're missing out on, on the goodies at the end of the rainbow there after all that hard work. Well, most likely they're only leaving because they don't believe they're going to get the goodies. But that's what the study is for, so that we don't have to rely on our anecdotal assumptions about why they're leaving, but we actually find out the evidence behind it. Well, let's talk about homeless youth. That was not one that registered on, on in my mind as a problem. And I just, you know, kind of assume that some of that is taken care of. Obviously, I'm wrong. Um, and so, but I, I read that and I did not realize it was such a problem. And so let's talk about some of the initiatives. That sure. Like on well, my that. personal investment in representing children pro bono is based on some of the pro bono cases that I've had in my past. 
Um, and so I wanted to take on some pro bono issue that would allow American Bar Association members and others to find a way to directly represent children. And what I discovered is that there are over 350 homeless shelters in this country where there are homeless youth that are living there who are totally unable to access any type of legal services. And for many of these children, it's the same six or seven or eight issues that are preventing them from moving forward with their lives. Maybe it's they're a runaway from foster care and they want to get re-enrolled in school. Or perhaps it's an LGBTQ youth who's run away from an inhospitable environment or a victim of sexual exploitation. And they want to get their birth certificate or a driver's license. Or there's one of a number of questions that continually comes up. And so what we're devising is a way for law firms, in-house counsel, and bar associations to pair with a local shelter in their community and to commit to once a month to go and provide direct legal services. And we think it's a relatively easy way for people to meet their pro bono commitments, as well as really extend a hand to change the life of a child that's in need. How about diversity and inclusion? Well, diversity and inclusion really is, my focus there is on that woman's project, which is, it's great that we now have diverse lawyers entering the profession, but what are we doing to ensure that they stay? What are we doing to ensure that diverse lawyers perceive that there's as hospitable an environment for them as for white men? So I'm almost to my last question for you today, and uh, but I did want to uh, give you an opportunity to share other programs that you have uh, planned for this upcoming year. Sure. Well, one of the ones that we're excited about is something that we're calling ABA Legal Fact Check. And this is in response to all of the sources of public information that bombard us, many of which provide inaccurate information. We believe the American Bar Association can really represent true facts as to what the law is. So ABA Legal Fact Check will respond when there's public discourse. For example, someone makes the statement that anybody who burns a flag should get their citizenship revoked. ABA Legal Fact Check will, within short order, come out with a statement It'll be on our website, it'll be in a press release, and it will say, in 1989, the Supreme Court decided in Texas versus Johnson that the burning of a flag is the right, First Amendment right, of every U.S. citizen, so that the ABA can be looked to both by citizens and the media as a definitive source of what the law is and not allow it to be misrepresented in the public discourse. So that's something we're very excited about. And then the one other project I'd like to mention is our Commission on the Future of Legal Education. Of course, most everyone sees a tremendous amount of public coverage on some of the issues that are affecting graduates of our law schools. Maybe it's the amount of public debt they come out with, or perhaps it's the job market not being available. But there are some specific problems that we believe the American Bar Association can really provide value in helping to solve. One of the main ones is the lower bar passage rates, because we know there are states throughout this country that are all examining why the bar passage rates have gone down. And we're hoping that the ABA will provide the big tent to allow all the stakeholders to come together, figure out what's happening with the bar passage rates and what we need to do to ensure that anybody who finishes three years of legal education at an ABA-accredited law school should believe they've got a good shot at passing the bar and becoming a licensed lawyer. 
Okay, so I'm up to my last question because we're running out of time, but I want to sneak in a personal one before I get there. So I did see on your Twitter feed that you uh, posed with uh, Justice Ginsburg, and I just wanted to ask if you got a chance to talk with her, what you like in real life. She was just wonderful. I had the chance to have dinner with her in The Hague when I was attending a World Justice Conference um, meeting, and she was just wonderful. Brilliant, smart as attack, funny, hospitable. It was a wonderful evening. Sounds like fun. So just to close it out, I know we're running out of time here today, but if our listeners, they want to follow up with you about what they heard today or about your upcoming year as president of the ABA, how can they find you? Sure. Well, please email me at abapresident at americanbar.org or follow me on Twitter at abapresident. I hope to hear from you. Excellent. Well, we've reached the end of the road for today's episode, but I want to thank our guest, President Hillary Bass, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'd also like to thank our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard today, please rate us an Apple podcast. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Bye.